Are you looking to wager on all the big events in sports? Well, I have some awesome news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And it's really easy to get started. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BELIEVE, B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, listen, it's your continued source for all your sports wagering needs. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, pick your World Series winner, horse racing season, it never ends. Make all those bets on the sport of golf as well. And live betting and favorite Vegas casino and poker games, all happening at Bet Online, where the game starts. Make a splash this May with a new spa from myhottop.com. Inventory available now, so choose from over 50 spas. These prices are slashed to move fast. Myhottop.com, located in Destiny, USA. Hurry, these spas won't last. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. It's officially ice cream season in Central New York, and the locally owned and operated Carval in North Syracuse welcomes you to come in all May long and try their strawberry and banana twist. Everything at Carval of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design you want, they make it happen. Carvel is open seven days a week, Brewer to Road, North Syracuse, America's favorite since 1934, and now offering strawberry banana twist soft serve all May long. So treat yourself to some Carvel. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter, back with you and all over the major platforms where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our great friends at the Syracuse Fitness Store, Ken's Auto Detailing, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and Rosie's Corner. Hey, it's not just pizza and wings at Rosie's Corner. If you're in and around Central New York, stop on by for a classic burger, for the stuffed shells, for the shrimp appetizer, for, oh, I don't know, pastrami on rye like I got this afternoon for lunch. Rosie's Corner, pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. Desserts, salads, and awesome drinks uh, to go as well. And don't forget, Fish Friday every single week with mac and cheese, coleslaw, and French fry options on your side. Uh, It is absolutely the place to be. And oh, by the way, if you download the Slice app on your smartphone device, you can order Rosie's Corner right from there. Rosie's Corner, Route 11 in front of the Brewerton Bridge. If you're in and around Central New York, off the Bartell Road exit, it is very, very easy to get to right off the highway. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. I am absolutely thrilled to bring on to the program the author of a brand new book. It is called The Franchise, New York Yankees, A Curated History of the Bronx Bombers. He's Mark Feinstein, and of course, he's been covering the Yankees. He's been covering Major League Baseball for an awfully long time, and you can get him also uh, on Twitter. That handle, of course, is at Feinstein. That's at F-E-I-N-S-A-N-D. Let's bring in the best-selling author, the MLB reporter and insider, MLB Network, of course, MLB.com, and uh, make sure you go pick up his books uh, where books are sold online and major bookstores, including 
past ones like Mission 27, and his website is finesand.com. Mark Finesand, thanks so much. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're me on. No doubt about it. So my first question is, obviously, the New York Yankees have been around forever, and a million people have covered them, and a million books have come out, and so it's obviously sometimes hard to come out with, hey, here's a history of the franchise, what can we say about the team that we haven't said already? You've covered the team forever, so that might have been a challenge for you too. What are you hoping in this book is is the message? What's what's the Yankee franchise about in this book mostly for you? Well, you know, we tried to attack this. Obviously, like you said, there have been a, a million books written about the Yankees, and um, you know they've been as thoroughly covered as any team in sports. Uh, Triumph Books approached me uh, with with this idea they were starting a new. Uh, a new franchise of their own called the franchise. Um, looking at you know certain teams starting out, I believe they're starting out with the Yankees and Red Sox, and perhaps the Cubs or Cardinals. The Cubs, I believe, it's going to be the third one. Um, and so we basically looked at it as how do we tell the story of this franchise? Um, you know, with some sort of a fresh look. So we we separated into um, six different thematic chapters. Uh, one is the architects, looking at the managers, GMs, and owners. Uh, one is the legends, obviously that goes without saying, uh, the captains, the game winners, the acquisitions, and the rivalries. So we tried to attack it from a bunch of different uh, specific viewpoints, and I got in touch with as many people as I could to try to have them tell me their stories and you know, maybe tell some stories that they hadn't told before. Um, you know, Obviously, a lot of the people that I spoke to veered towards the last 40 years because it was kind of hard to get in touch with Babe Ruth or Joe DiMaggio, uh, but we uh, obviously hit some of those high marks as well with, uh, you know, with some of the legendary guys from the you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. The forward is is by Joe Torrey, and obviously he had unbelievable success in New York. The timing was right. He pushed all the right buttons. Um, you know, he had the resources and a lot of things, obviously, at his disposal, but Torrey did things for the Yankees that hadn't been done in a while. I think Buck Showalter set some of the tone there along with some other players. But Joe Torrey's impact on the franchise historically and how it relates and now as we move way past that era I mean it feels like forever ago that Tory managed where where does he sit as far as the franchise and impact and all the rest Mark well I think he obviously is is right up there with with anybody else who's ever managed this team uh you know he wasn't getting the hits he wasn't making the plays but he was pushing the buttons and sort of keeping uh the team together in an era where uh, you know, George Steinbrenner used to go through managers like, uh, you know, we we'll go through Tic Tacs. So, you know, Joe, Joe was one of the first guys in a long time who knew how to handle George, knew how to keep the pressure of George out of the clubhouse and let the players do their thing, let the ownership um, stress and pressure sort of fall on him. And, you know, Joe's talked about it before, and he talks about it in the book, both in the forward uh, and in the, the chapter that I have about him. Um, you know, this was Joe's fourth managerial job. He had managed the three teams for which he played with the Cardinals, the Braves, and the Mets. Um, he looked at this as a bonus. And so I think there was a, a feeling for Joe himself that um, this was gravy. This was something that um, he wanted the challenge of doing it. His brother said, are you crazy? You want to work for that guy? And Joe said, I know what I'm getting into. I'm coming into this with my eyes open. And, uh, and you know, I just want to I want to see if I can do it. You know, Joe had never been to the World Series. Uh, that was uh, obviously a goal of his, despite having been in the game for, you know, 35-plus years. And uh, obviously it all worked out pretty well for him and for the Yankees. 
Sure did. Mark Feinsand, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter, the book coming June 7th. Make sure you pre-order online where books are sold. And, of course, Feinsand.com and pick up some of Mark's past books as well. It's called The Franchise, New York Yankees, A Curated History of the Bronx Bombers. I'm curious to know where you land on this subject. You mentioned the legends speaking for themselves. And then there's, you know, the kind of like the next deck guys, right? You have you have Ruth and DiMaggio and Garrig and Mantle and Yogi and Whitey and Jeter and Moe and those kind of guys. And then like there's another deck, then there's another deck, and there's another deck. And there's really good to great to elite players. I think Paul O'Neill was a great player. With no disrespect to him, I don't think he should have his number retired. And I think at most it's probably a plaque in Monument Park. Have the Yankees overdone one or both? I'm not sure they overdid it. I think when you look at what O'Neill meant to those championship teams from that dynasty, uh, and you look at what he meant to the fan base, um, obviously, like you said, you have levels. Is he Babe Ruth? No, of course not. Uh, is he DiMaggio or Yogi or, or uh, any of those guys? No, of course not. But I think for the era in which he played, you can argue that he was every bit as important to that dynasty team um, as as Derek Jeter was, as Bernie Williams was, he was sort of the heart and soul of that team, uh, and he was a huge fan favorite. And when you you know teams do things to respond to their fans, a lot of times it took a very long time for them to retire his number. But if you look at it, after he retired in two thousand one, they didn't give that number out for a very long time. And when they finally did give it out to Latroy Hawkins, there was outrage amongst the fan base of how could you give out twenty one. Paul O'Neill should be the last player ever to wear that number. So I look at, at Paul O'Neill very similar to the way I look at Bernie Williams. Neither of them deserve to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They did not have careers of that magnitude. But when you look at what they meant to the Yankees and to that franchise, I really don't have a problem with them hanging up either 21 or 51 at Monument Park. Through your time covering the Yankees, and you used to be a, a beat guy for the team, and now you're kind of on the overall MLB side through MLB.com and MLB Network, but still obviously heavily involved covering the Yankees, writing books on the Yankees. How has your uh, coverage changed, Mark, for the Yankees, you know, going from the beat to where you are now? Uh, is it the same? Is it more? Is it, uh, you know, is there, it, does the reporting strategy change? How does that work when you're more of a national baseball guy? Well, I think now I'm, I'm mainly reporting uh, when I deal with the Yankees, uh, it's more from a 10,000-foot view. Okay. Um, I'm no longer dealing with the intricacies of the fourth guy in the bullpen or the uh, you know the backup catcher and the details of the day-to-day of, of the hamstring injuries and the slumps and that kind of thing. It's more big picture uh, because, as you say, I, I'm now a national writer. I cover all 30 teams, and even though I'm still based in the New York area, um, you know, I, I probably write about, you know, other teams as much, if not more than I write about the Yankees, because we have a Yankee beat writer and he handles, uh, you know, my co-author from Mission 27, Brian Hope, does a fantastic job covering the Yankees. So um, the biggest change for me is that when I walk into Yankee Stadium and I walk into the clubhouse, I only know about three or four of those guys personally uh, at this point, other than having spoken to them once or twice. But, you know, there are only about three or four guys left from that team uh, that I last covered in 2016. Um, so it's, it's, I don't have the personal relationship with the players the way that I did when I was in that clubhouse every day and traveling on the road. Um, but just in general, the, the, the coverage from a beat writer and the coverage from a national writer are they're two completely separate jobs. And so I had to make that transition from dealing with the day-to-day um, sort of minutia of covering a, a team on a beat 
to, you know, to covering them as one of 30. What's most responsible for the Yankees playing the way they are this season? It's kind of the pitching. I mean, I think everybody came into the year sort of wondering uh, whether the rotation was going to be good enough, whether the bullpen was going to be good enough, and both of them have been outstanding. Uh, you know, you look at Severino coming back, and uh, he hasn't regained that form that put him in the top three in the Cy Young a few years ago, but he's been pretty good. Obviously, Nestor Cortez has been a revelation. Uh, and has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, right now you'd put him, you know, right among the top two or three Cy Young candidates through, uh, uh, you know, five weeks of the season. Um, and, you know, the bullpen's been great. Michael King's been pitching outstanding. Um, you know, uh, uh, Holmes has been great. Um, you know, so you look at, at, as a whole, the pitching staff's been great. And, of course, you know, Aaron Judge is off to a blazing start. And, uh, you know, Gleyber Torres seems to be hitting a little bit again. And Stanton's having a fantastic season. So they're not relying on one guy on offense. Um, but more than anything else, the pitching's just been great. What do you hope, Mark, people say about the book when they get done reading it? Uh, I would probably say I hope they learned a thing or two, that they heard a story or, or two that they maybe hadn't seen before. Um, you know, it's tough when you're, you're writing about a, a topic that has been written about as much as the Yankees. Um, I think it's a it's a good read for Yankee fans, obviously, to get some inside stuff on, uh, on guys they've been watching for a long time, but also for any baseball fan, because, uh, you know, you can't tell the story of Major League Baseball without talking about the Yankees quite a bit. Um, and so whether it's, um, you know, the fact that Joe Torre was actually offered the GM job before he was offered the manager job or, uh, you know, talking about uh, how, how fans were, were against the Paul O'Neill trade when it happened um, or, you know, just sort of the way they recruited some of their other free agents. Uh, it's, it's always interesting to me to hear the backstories of how players wound up in New York and, and you know, whether they were excited about it or hesitant about it. Um, you know, Mark Teixeira went through a whole section with me about uh, about his recruitment to the Yankees and how he, he almost signed with Boston. Um, Jason Giambi talked to me about his recruitment. So, you know, uh, just sort of looking at uh, different stories, different, you know, sort of moments from, from history. And then, of course, with the big moments, the big, um, you know, the biggest hits. I mean, I went deep with Bucky Dent on, uh, on not only the hit itself, but you know, him coming to the Yankees and how that hit against the Red Sox changed his, uh, not just his career, but his life. Um, you know, he talked about having no idea at the time how much of an impact that home run was going to have mm -hmm. on his life. And obviously it's, it's the defining moment of his professional life and, and really of his life in general. So, uh, you know, I, I tried to go down to Montoursville, Pennsylvania, and spend a few hours with Mike Messina to talk about his um, coming to the Yankees and his career here and his, you know, chase for a 20 win season and all that. Uh, so I, I think, you know, trying to get in deep with these guys and, um, you know, sort of break through the same stories we've heard and try to get a few little nuggets here or there. Final one for you. Um, you know, look, Yankee fans obviously demand a championship every season. We know that that's unrealistic. Um, things happen. You, you can't win every year despite huge payroll and, and resources and all the things that go in, in between that. Um, but the Yankees are continuously in the mix. They are an AL East division favorite. They are a favorite overall. They've had tons of success and not been able to get over the hump since 2009. They haven't been to a World Series even since 2009. Um, wh what do you think is the realistic championship situation with the Yankees is it one and I know there's other teams factors injuries all that stuff but just 
when you're when you're in the playoffs every year like they are with the resources and all the things that I mentioned, is it one every seven years? Is it one every 10 or 11 years? I know it's all unpredictable and kind of a, a fishbowl type of conversation here, but where do you land on that as far as Yankee championships within however many years? I think just get the next one. I think the yeah. playoffs, you know, I remember early in my career, Joe Torre saying, you know, and it's a saying that people have said many, many times, the playoffs are a crapshoot. All you can do is get there. And then you hope to stay the healthiest. You hope to get the you know, the breaks, maybe the ball that lands inside the foul line as opposed to outside the foul line. Um, whatever it may be, it's really hard doing a World Series, and that's why we've seen so many different teams win them. That's why we've seen so many different teams representing their leagues in the World Series. Um, you know, a, a team and a GM and a manager can basically get their team to October. That's you know, you you do all the work in the off season, you do all the work during the season with the eye of the 162 and having a good enough record to qualify for the playoffs. And, you know, it's the old cliche. It's not always the best team that wins. It's the hottest team. I've seen that many, many times. I think back to 2002, you know, the angels were not a better team than the Yankees in 2002, but when the October rolled around, they were the hottest team. They were the team that was hitting the cover off the ball um, and, and stringing together four or five hits at a time, getting timely home runs. Uh, it's tough. It's really difficult to win a world series. And I think that's what, um, you know, players understand that more than anybody else. Uh, and when I think back to that 09 team, and you think to the fact that that's the only World Series CC Sabathia ever won, and Mark Teixeira ever won, and Alex Rodriguez ever won, these are great, great baseball players who had fantastic careers. And that was the year that it all came together for them. And they were able to, uh, you know, to climb that mountain and, and, and be the last team standing. It's really difficult. So the idea that, you know, oh, well, they have to win one every 10 years. Um, it's just not as easy as it sounds, but as long as they keep putting themselves in position to be in the postseason every year, well, then they've got a shot that, uh, well, I guess this year, 18 other teams won't have. MLB.com executive reporter and MLB network insider Mark Feinsand. He has another book out. Go get it. Uh, pre-order today on uh, online where books are sold. Feinsand.com. It is called New York Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers with a forward by Joe Torre. And David Cohn says it's a must read for any baseball fan. And you can follow Mark on Twitter at Feinsand and go pick up his other works, including Mission 27 on the tw- uh, 2009 champion New York Yankees. Mark, it's always a blast to have you. Thanks, bud. Congrats. You got it. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Bowers & Company, CPAs, Burn, Dairy, and Burton Ace Hardware. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by Burton Ace Hardware. They have an amazing array of products for inside and outside your home. You can get your, uh, you know, your moss and soil and mulch and all the rest and grills and shovels, and it's just the place to be. And they carry a bunch of great products from local vendors, beef jerky, pickles, sauces, you name it, all at Burton Ace Hardware, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And also, a big tip of the cap, thank you to Ken's Auto Detailing, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. It was great to have Mark Feinsand on, and before I close this podcast, I wanted to kind of throw, you know, some some Yankee spotlights out there for for players. Um, you know, so many. Listen, as of this podcast, the Yankees have the best record in baseball. Right, they're rolling into June, pitching, defense, hitting for contact, mashing homers, and let's face it, health has been huge as well. Plenty of of hard games are coming up, but as we know, that's baseball, Susan. Um, you know, so many players have impressed so far this season, right? So many. I mean, Connor Falefa has, um, 
you know, Severino coming back that Mark just talked about, Tyone, um, uh, you know, I, I could go on and on and on. Uh, LeMahieu, uh, the machine, you know, having him back healthy like like he is, it's just, it, it's such a help. Anthony Rizzo. Um, but there are five guys who I think, you know, have kind of soared above the rest, which is really saying something. Um, you know, you got to give a tip of the cap to Aaron Boone as well. He's kind of a, a, a better manager thanks to, you know, some different philosophies and maybe learning on the job, you know, his change in rest days, giving pitchers more breathing room, balancing the lineup and bullpen, um, you know, so he's been pretty good as well. But I wanted to highlight five players uh, here on the podcast who I think have soared above the rest and have just been absolutely unbelievable uh, for the New York Yankees. The first one is Giancarlo Stanton. We know the deal. You know the deal. I know the deal. When he's healthy and streaking the right way, he's the scariest hitter in baseball. I mean, he really is. And he can play some DH. He plays right field. It seems as though when he's playing right field, he's a lot more focused. Uh, that's the recipe for me. Um, and it's shown that he's a lot more focused at the plate. He's staying healthy. Um, he and Aaron Judge are, are, are in different workout regimens now as well in terms of a lot less of the power lifting and strength and all that sort of thing and more um, you know, uh, flexibility, uh, more stretching. Um, you know, different cardio and, and, and sprint exercises. It's just, a, it's a different workout approach. And I think it helps for two guys who are built uh, uh, very much the same way, even though Judge has a few more inches on uh, in pounds on Stanton. Um, but, you know, Stanton's been blasting homers. He's getting clutch hits with men on base, two out hits late in games. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, Aaron Judge would be my number two. You can basically copy and paste what I just said about Stanton to a degree, right? I mean, he bet on himself when he said no to that contract offer from Brian Cashman, and now he probably will command a lot more. Maybe the Yankees will be betting uh, or competing with themselves for that contract. Who knows? But look, the best of that, uh, the best ability is availability, and Aaron Judge has been available, but he has to continue to show that he can stay healthy year after year as the face of the franchise. You know, it's not just enough, uh, in my opinion, to you know be healthy one year you know, and, and then be healthy for a full year, five years later, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sustained durability. It's what makes the greats of the greats, um, you know, and again, I know bad luck and, and certain things can happen, but you look at the consistency and the longevity of, of the greats of the game, right? I mean, you look at you look at uh, Pete Rose, you look at Hank Aaron, you look at Willie Mays, you look at Kel Ripken Jr., you look at Derek Jeter, you know, you look at those kind of players. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. got hurt all the time, but he still put up the, the, the just um, amazing numbers. Um, but if he hadn't gotten hurt, are we talking about him as the greatest player of all time? We may be. Aaron Judge was unbelievable, won Rookie of the Year, should have won MVP in 2017. And, you know, but then injury, injuries, 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 injuries. The year after, the year after, and the year after that. Last year in 2021, played 148 games. But it took him four straight seasons to, excuse me, three straight seasons uh, of missing a lot of games. I mean, he missed 50, he missed 60, uh, and then he missed, uh, you know, in 2020. Oh, no, that's right. It was a shorter, uh, it was a smaller schedule. 28 games played that year. But again, he, he was, again, nick and knack injuries all three of those years. You know, then he was finally healthy last year. Now this year, uh, he seems to be pretty healthy. Uh, but again, he's got to do it consistently as the face of the franchise um, you know, and uh, it's just so important for the Yankees because he's such an all-around player. You know, he plays right field, 
they've been putting him in center field, um, obviously the last couple of seasons, and, and that's continued this year. He's got a plus arm. He can run the bases. This is, you know, 6'7", 275. I mean, he can he can do all those things. He's not just a guy who mashes home runs. Um, he hits for average. He hits it, sprays it all over the field, um, and, and he can pound the ball out of the ballpark uh, everywhere. I mean, he can pull it. Um, he can hit it the other way. Uh, he really, truly is an all-around player. Now, I don't know how he's going to age with his size and his, you know, his height and weight. I just, I, I don't know. But right now, he is playing at a very, very high level. So I'd have Aaron Judge at number two. Nestor Cortez Jr., I mean, can you believe this guy? He's been unreal. And it's so nice for, you know, Yankee fans to watch this team and to not only have some balance in the lineup, but balance in the rotation. I mean, how many times have we talked about the last several years under Brian Cashman, who has not been great at developing starting pitching and finding starting pitching, right-handed, right-handed, right-handed. This year they've got not one but two lefties to complement the righties. So from the right side, you've got Garrett Cole, you have Severino and Tyone, but then you've got Montgomery and you have Cortez Jr. from the left side. And I think that's still crucial in Yankee Stadium. And look, he works quickly, he's brimming with confidence, and he may be the guy you would take if you have to win one game, even over Garrett Cole at this point. His cutter's been great, his slider's been untouchable. Um, and you know what? His fastballs are unbelievable. They're between 90 and 92 miles an hour with late movement, and they just baffle hitters. But listen, it's working. And he, if he keeps going like this, he'll be an all-star. And, um, you know, the win-loss record, you know, who knows if people will look at that or not. But would Nestor Cortez start the all-star game? He said he's just been unbelievable. He really has. I mean, what a story. Michael King, probably the best longman reliever in baseball, is my number four. King's been fabulous. Uh, over 20 innings pitched and over 30 strikeouts as of this podcast. And, you know, he's really the ultimate weapon out of a vaunted Yankee bullpen. And then speaking of the bullpen, my last guy, number five, Clay Holmes. I mean, another huge weapon for Aaron Boone. Fastball has blowaway stuff. And, and really, you can plug and play this guy in any game situation. And Holmes rarely gives up the deep ball, and he gets ahead of batter so he can own the count. And uh, here and there, expect him to close some games because he's able to do so. And also, Araldis Chapman continues to be a roller coaster every time out. So uh, Holmes has been excellent. Um, and again, there's been a lot of players on this roster who have been terrific, but I wanted to highlight five who I think have kind of risen above the rest, which again, is saying something um, for this Yankee roster. And those five guys, of course, would be John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, Nestor Cortez Jr., Michael King, and Clay Holmes. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. We are brought to you by our great friends at the Allen Angus Pub, the Syracuse Fitness Store, Stanley Law Offices, and Liverpool Physical Therapy. If you need that post-op physical therapy done, head on over to Liverpool Physical Therapy. See my friends there. They can help you out. Knees, back, shoulder, you name it. Go to Liverpool Physical Therapy for your post-op work today. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to Camillus Golf Club and your State Farm agent, Matt Graham. If you're in and around the state of New York, get a free rate quote today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm and Matt Graham are there. Home, auto, life, bank, health, and business. SyracuseInsuranceAgent.com. As I always tell you, enjoy the games.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.